0: Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the conference of presidents of major American Jewish organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honelein,
1: Chag Sameach, and welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. And it's something, especially after the events of recent weeks, that people take a few minutes at least out of the day to celebrate, not to take Jewish lime for granted, as too many do to understand the sacrifices that were made so that we can enjoy Yerushalayim, to see the amazing discoveries, every one of which is reinforcing our claim to Yerushalayim, just as they can gather in the United Nations this week for Nakba Day and hear the anti-Semitic rantings of Abbas of the Palestinian Authority and see the countries giving him a standing ovation at the end. And note the U.S. and U.K. and others boycotted the session. But we should not take it for granted. And too much of the time we did. Our our grandparents used to have pictures of Yushalayim. They would do anything to have artwork, something so that they could have a connection to a place they couldn't visit. And we think God have the opportunity and we should not take it for granted.
0: What a a good way of putting it and what a fantastic reminder. And by the way, just on the aside regarding the United Nations this week, (laughs) this is the person who the world would like us to regard as a peace partner, as a potential uh, peace partner to negotiate with, which I thought was just unbelievable. Of course, uses this UN, this incredible World Forum, to spew the hatred, to call Israel Nazis, uh, to um, uh, to condemn basically everything that Israel does. But certainly, uh, one of the most disturbing things he did was disavow Jewish ties. To Al-Aqsa, meaning that Harabayat that we are all that we are all celebrating today, and that we, for, for centuries, as you described, were so anxious to have under Jewish control. He, of course, tries to eliminate any history of Israel with the Temple Mount. And you might argue, as you have in the past, that of all the things the enemies say, that might be the most important
1: one. And the, and you know, even those who argue and it would say, "Well, scientific proof." Look at the thousands of discoveries in Jerusalem, in Ir David, at Minerot Kotel. Everything, every shovel in the ground, reasserts each time the, Jew, the historicity of the Jewish claim to Jerusalem. The absence of a Palestinian claim that the Arabs never made it a the capital; they never cared about Harabiat until the Jews had it. And the the you know the, the fact that we don't think about it. We pray every day, Yerushalayim Yercha Barach Tashuv, that God did grant it to us. And gives us the opportunity to go to Barachim, not in boxes, but to go there, standing up and being able to appreciate Yerushalayim. And it just bothers me so much that, that we all are guilty of this, of taking it for granted. We go there, we, we want to absorb every second of it. We, we miss it if we're not there. But what do we do about it? Omer Yushalayim, the no, Gemara says, somebody who says Jerusalem but doesn't do anything about it, then you haven't said it, anything. Yeah. Saying the Babi is not enough. And I wanted, by the way, to give a Mazel Tov to Emil and Michal Shish Partish, who had a baby, my granddaughter, who had a baby this uh, yesterday. Mazel tov. So <clears throat> we have Simchas. Uh, we going to have around the world for Jews.
0: boy or girl
1: boy I look forward to
0: dancing with you at his wedding Bezrat Hashem. Amen. and my uh, my nephew and niece had a uh, uh, Shlomo and Devorah Siegel had a girl this week and named her Esther Siegel uh, of course, after my mother, which was so heartwarming. And uh, obviously, you know what it's like when you are, are involved yep. in a feeling of continuing the generations. Two other points on this Yom Yushalayim. I mean, one you basically just said, I was going to ask you to like sort of describe for the generations that never knew what Jerusalem's old city was like, you know, over 55 years ago to describe it but if if we would tell our children and grandchildren those who are enjoying Jerusalem those who are living in Jerusalem those who have the run of the place and we could talk about all the incredible things they are able to do today as they live in Jerusalem many of them newly married and going to the holy city i don't know if they would believe that there was no access to the old city of Jerusalem. I don't know if they would believe what the area of the Kota looked like. I don't know if they would believe what it was like having the enemy right there on the border. There are places where people live in Jerusalem, young uh, students live in Jerusalem. That was literally the border with Jordan before the 1967 war. But Malcolm, as I said earlier, even if we
1: described it to them, I don't know if they'd believe it. I would suggest that people look at the Mishpacha magazine this week. I did a a thing about Yushalayim Nice. Interview in in that section. But no, there's a picture in there, a postcard. I went to Yushalayim the year before the Six-Day War. I went to the hotel. I was invited by the Arab governments and uh, went to Syria, Jordan, and and, and, uh, Lebanon and ended in Jordan where I got arrested as a Zionist agent, CIA spy, whatever. And snuck out and came back through the Mandelbaum gate, back to Yerushalayim. But there's a picture postcard that was given to me afterwards because they seized my camera and my pictures and then wrote an apology and whatever because I was an official guest. And you see what Yerushalayim, the rubble, that was Yerushalayim at the time. And there's a picture there with the the note that they wrote on the back of it. People have no clue of the sacrifices that were made, not only the fact that it took people a month, half a year to get to Yerushalayim. You know, they would have to take boats and connecting boats, and the boats weren't very fast. And to to come to a place where often diseases were rampant, where other problems, let alone then the massacres and the harassment that they suffered, but they understood, they appreciated that just the glimpse of Yerushalayim was enough for them then to go to their eternal rest and saying, you know, I fulfilled my, my dream. And we have to know the and remember all of those who died on, on trying to open the road to Yerushalayim in 49, let alone over all the centuries. And those who went there to the deaths with Hashanah Baba Yerushalayim on their lips. This was throughout time, the connection, and you know that, that when, when they wanted to denigrate Jews from the time of the Romans to the Nazis, they would yell, Hep, Jerusalem at Perdita, Jerusalem was lost. Because that was the ultimate degradation to say you have no future, that this is, you see that you've been replaced, you see that, that your shalom is not in your hands, that the Jews have no future.
0: And Abbas takes it a step further and
1: says you have no past not just no yes, exactly and denying I mean this is a guy who wrote about a Holocaust denial or did Holocaust denial um, a thesis uh, when he graduated college and and uh, and now we see him continuing this uh, outrageous denial um, but I mean, the facts are so clear today that it's hard to 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 for, for anybody to take him seriously except as a
0: weapon against Israel, yeah, and I, I know this is a tangent, but just for a second, it, you, know, you, you look at Israel's relationship with Morocco, both in front of the scenes and behind the scenes. You look at Israel's relationship with the UAE countries or, or, or provinces, behind the scenes in front of the scenes, etc. Those who are serious about doing what's best for their people, those who are serious about moving forward and and progressing, you know, they are true peace partners. And people like him are just are they're worthless. I mean, I, I know this. This is not a rep- Revelation on my part, uh, but it just it, you look, you know, you see who you're dealing with, and it's amazing to me that the number of countries that you cited went ahead and applauded and went ahead and, and, and felt that he was making a worthwhile presentation at the United
1: Nations but, you know, it's it's more than being worthless, he's counterproductive. he's destroying any hope Palestinians have, right, of getting a better life, because they have only one way to do it, none of the, the other Arab countries really give a damn about them, it's a myth and I can tell you from my discussions with Arab leaders that they they are disgusted with the Palestinian Authority, with um, and and only pay lip service to it because they know that the, the, it becomes an issue amongst the population. But if they say if it comes to aid, they're not giving aid anymore. They've all cut it off because their people don't want them to give it, and they don't want it because they know it all get what gets wasted in in, the, in, in 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 by the PA. And for the UN to have the first but event official event is such a disgrace yeah. and Ambassador down's words the words of the US ambassador others uh, tested that but it's it's just tells you no matter what sacrifices you're all makes the world doesn't change
0: no question about it and and we should also mention that in your experiences in the halls of Congress and at the White House uh, and 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 to this end by the way I, I should just say, that um, just like there's certain topics that people feel are, are vital to always bring up when meeting with government officials, Jerusalem, no matter what the situation is, peaceful, not peaceful, God forbid, no matter what the situation is, Jerusalem is something that should always be mentioned in any meeting with a public official. Because one of the things you've always told us that you've been to the White House, you have brought up the issue of Jerusalem and how important it is to the Jewish people, and essentially they said to you, you know, <laughs> nobody ever tells us this. We, we had no idea that this is important to the Jewish community. So I think we need to put it on every agenda. At some point during the conversation, always mention Jerusalem.
1: I have that exact story in the Mishpacha article. Oh, really? <laughs> was it absolutely right. No, it's good that you remember it because it was very critical because the lesson of it was that if the president of the United States doesn't know where we stand on Jerusalem. It's our fault, not his. And this week I had the opportunity to meet with senators and congressmen on different occasions. And all the time we raise raised Yerushalayim. It has to be raised. It has to be said. And yet, many of them who had visited Israel in the last, uh, you know, there there was a delegation led by the Speaker, the Republicans, the Democrats, and Hawking Jeffries, they all went to Yerushalayim, they went to the Kotel. They were singing the praises of Yerushalayim. So I think that in Congress, there still remains very strong support. And I think even amongst the administration, nobody talks about dividing Yerushalayim now. There's still the remnants of those who want to make compromises, I know. But it's not the way that it was, that that people think that you can redivide it, give away the Holy Basin, which almost happened several times. All right, 100%. Very important
0: words, and I'm glad uh, that, well, I'm glad Young Mutual I am uh, fell on a Friday because this is really important that everybody of every age out there understands the importance of Jerusalem and exp- how important it is to express the importance of Jerusalem, especially uh, when speaking with influential people and especially when speaking uh, to government officials. So they estimate 50,000 people at the uh, flag parade uh, in honor of Jerusalem. They did have reports about class uh in east jerusalem uh, between jews and arabs nonetheless malcolm can we say that yom yushalayim in jerusalem was relatively peaceful and celebratory
1: i think you can say that safely i think the that everybody wanted it to come off uh, peacefully and the police uh, prepared um, but it would have been a terrible mistake to cancel it and to to succumb no and i don't think that there were serious proposals to do it although some you know, always raise that. Right. But I think in, in the conclusion of everybody was that was handled very well and it came off peacefully. And the, the reassertion and the celebration of of Yom Yerushalayim is very critical, especially now.
0: Was well, it surprising to you when you saw the story that Jerusalem is now the majority destination for North American Aliyah? I guess I shouldn't be surprised because people like to retire to Jerusalem, and obviously students are attracted to Jerusalem. But I thought that. You know, with the housing prices, frankly, <laughs> in the holy city, I thought people were really heading out in big numbers to other areas of Israel.
1: Well, they are. and, and uh, But, you know, Yerushalayim is not, it's, it's, you know, it's not the old city, but Yerushalayim is big today. Right. It is spread out. You have all these suburban communities, or you know, they're urban, but they're, you know, on the outskirts of Yerushalayim that have developed in recent years which are uh, largely populated by and many from America.
0: Right, 100%. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's do stuff from other parts of the world. Uh, what can you tell us regarding the latest uh, in the Turkey election? Is Erdogan in a good position right now or in a poor position to continue leading the country?
1: Uh, well, first thing is, can he win the election? Right. Uh, leading the country is a, another quality we <laughs> <left> have to <design. laughs> But, but, um, I think we will win. Um, yeah, I mean, there are factors that can come into play, but the opposition did not take advantage of the, um, of the anger of the people at the failure of the government to respond to the earthquake. They don't blame him for the earthquake, but, you know, the failure to to respond, the fact that they know more than double the number of people were killed that the government uh, admits to. Wow. But I have to say that Erdogan fought back. He, he got 49.48% of the vote. That was not expected. Um, and uh, I think in a runoff, uh, he will most likely... And there you don't—it's not uh, you don't have to win fifty percent. You just have to have more votes than anybody else. <clears throat> and there is a third party that uh, had a, a showing, and they haven't indicated yet which party they will support. But I think the uh, bottom line when in the turnout you will be able to uh,
0: win. And is the runoff days from now, or it's much further down the road? No, the the runoff is two weeks after the election. Oh, two weeks. So. Next week. So it's relatively soon. Next week. Um, and speaking of politics, uh, what do you make of the story that even after the um, uh, the action in Gaza, which I thought usually helps uh, a, an Israeli leader politically, uh, especially when it's Netanyahu in power, it looks like his poll numbers have dropped since then. What do you think of that?
1: I don't think it's correct. Uh, I think people felt that he, he handled the Gaza situation well. Um, at least some of the people I spoke to who, keep, uh, who do polling and do uh, monitor public opinion, uh, I, I do not think he was hurt. His numbers went up after the war. maybe, uh, and, and you see the um, general tension inside the country is reduced. People come together when there is uh, conflict situations. And uh, I think that that is the case. Now the question is, can he couple together an agreement that will put the issue of judicial reform at least on the back burner and pass part of it. And also, he most importantly has to pass a budget now. And there again, once they start the media starts their campaign that the money going to haranium, money going to this and going to that, that uh, builds up uh, opposition again. Uh, so uh, I do not think that the post war that he did get a post war bump. It doesn't last long as it doesn't here because other events always intervene. But, you know, when people look at the situation, they, when they see the, the dangers that um, uh, got, that the Iran's posing, that we see the growth of some of the, the threats, that the uh, axis of resistance, the fact that uh, the other country, that uh, Hezbollah and, um, and Hamas, both in, in Gaza and in Lebanon, did not join, which I think the Iranians had anticipated, but um, did not want an all-out war either, because then mm-hmm. all of their investment would have been destroyed and they would have to start again. Right. But they the fact is that they offered a, a page $5 million a day to continue the war, for every day more that they uh, extended it, but they paid such a heavy price, and you cannot look at the results without seeing how, in the first day, they killed three, the first hour, killed three of the top com- uh, pouncing Islamic Jihad leaders, and many others over the course of the next days, and the uh, civilian casualties were kept so limited that the world, no matter how much they will condemn, but you see the reaction isn't like it has been in the past because Israel's response was uh, so effective and so uh, uh, appropriate. And I think, you know, the the um, uh, reaction of the others, they pay lip service to Iran, but they're not willing really to risk their lives. As
0: these um, episodes go, I mean, I think you'd have. I mean, Israel never said this publicly, but I think you have to give them a big victory, as you just described, uh, between who they took out and the limited civilian casualties. Plus, thank God, the limited Israeli casualties. I mean, I- I- and the you know short amount of time that it took. Usually, you know, you fear that they're going to get mired into a weeks long situation. I-, I don't see how you could say anything other than it was a great victory.
1: I agree, and I think the the. Uh intelligence this time you know often there's been criticism that israeli intelligence had failed and there's nobody who can't say that they did such a remarkable demonstration of uh, aptitude in the intelligence and the exactness knowing the apartment knowing where they were moving to and do it i'm sorry doing it in a way that avoided civilian casualties so they called off raids when they saw the leaders in, in the building and civilians were coming in there took out a single apartment right. in a building Remarkable. That entire, knowing exactly where they would be when they would be there was uh, was really uh, critical and I think Iran has to go back to the drawing boards again uh, they will of course uh, today have the they do the Al-Quds day and they promote demonstrations against Israel and have very vicious demonstrations inside Iran uh, today but uh, I think that the these facts on the ground speak for themselves yeah,
0: and when Islamic jihad or Pidge or whoever it is is celebrating victory in the streets it, it the whole thing is absurd frankly, but uh, it shows it shows you what they think of, of the, they think of their own people
1: and how much they really couldn't and we should note the use of David's sling for the first time right. very effectively took out the uh, a rocket and that means that you have now a second level beyond Iron dome uh, for responding to uh, to the missile attacks.
0: It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the World, the Web, and Alkumsigl.com, on the Alkumsigl Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app, Malcolm Holmline.com is Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Mo'adim everybody, on this Yom Yerushalayim. Today is Jerusalem Day, as we celebrate the anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem, Six-Day War, 1967. Uh, our Yom Yerushalayim special continues. Uh, we will get to Rabbi Yudin, and then right afterwards, the late, great Mayor Garden with the unique narration of the sounds of 1967, a peace uh, that so many of our listeners would never miss on a Yom am day here at JM in the AM. Uh, so what can you tell... Uh, I better ask you this question, because too many people this week demanded that I have to get your reaction. Uh, your reaction to an 1,100-year-old Chumash being auctioned off
1: for $38 million? So... Um... I think this is an inspiration for Art Scroll. What <laughs> uh, the future holds, but I, I went to see it, and it, it truly is remarkable. Um, the fact that it will be now on display in the Anu Museum, which was formerly uh, Museum Jewish Diaspora right. uh in uh, in Tel Aviv, and will be in Jewish hands, is really a remarkable development that many feared others would try to take it. It is, you know, the most complete. Uh, version as opposed to the Aleppo Codex, which is missing more. They're only missing, I think, the first parts of Barachis, uh is missing in this. Miss. And the history itself is so remarkable. People who haven't done it should just take a minute to read the history. And you know, it disappeared for hundreds of years and resurfaced them several times. And I think some of those who sold it earlier are probably kicking themselves in yeah. their graves. They missed out on this uh, opportunity, but $38.1 million, an all-time record for a book. And I think it's uh, it, uh, uh, now people have a chance to go and see it. It will be open to display. And, you know, it's not even in a glass case. We were able to walk right up to it and see it at uh, Sotheby's.
0: Did they overpay Malcolm? I mean, really, did they overpay or not? What's the bottom well, line? the estimates were 30 to $50 million. So Unbelievable. It sort of came in at uh, he got a bargain. Absolutely unbelievable. Are you aware of the fact, I think it was Christiana Manpour, but I'm not sure who from CNN it was, um, that she referred to the murder of the members of the D family as a shootout with the enemy?
1: Of course, it is so outrageous, but it's only one of many of these attacks. By the so way, it, here's an opportunity,
0: uh, as we discussed. Here's an opportunity to literally get onto social media and with a swift, short sentence, refute or, or you know, object
1: to uh, what was said. The Dees family has demanded an apology. Others have written that they should write. It just tells you, and it's only one case. If you listen to the BBC, you would not believe that the Palestinians are involved in aggression, that this war came about because they fired missiles into Israel, because they initiated it, that it's it. the onus is only on, on Israel. It doesn't get better, even though they admit themselves that their BBC, for instance, that their coverage is biased against Israel and yet the coverage this time uh, when when the Rammy it says a person dro- drove a car a ha- an accident with the car a person not that it was a palestinian a terrorist nothing to, to describe the reality of what uh, of what took place so the media d- does not correct itself it does not do anything but i hope that people will finally begin to see through it unfortunately the bulk of the american people read headlines get you know the snapshot picture and the one that is given becomes, is certainly distorted and, and uh, irresponsible.
0: Yeah, no question about that. Uh, the report this week I'm sure wasn't a surprise to you. In fact, if I would have asked you to um, uh, to um, guess this list, I'm sure you would have gotten it 100% uh, accurately. Um, the leaders in executions around the world, Egypt. Iran and Syria, plus, as this report pointed out, let's not forget the thousands of executions that are happening each and every day in
1: China. Your reaction to this report? First of all, Iran is number one. Iran, again, this week executed a number of people. Uh, it is true, others are doing it. And, uh, you know, we only know the reported cases. There are still you know, there were six people who were arrested for the demonstrations, who were sentenced to death. I mean, many more have been are sitting on death row or in, in uh, being held captive. It's not imprisonment; this is captivity because of the way that they are treated. Uh, but Iran is the number one executor. Yet they can sit on the Council, in the Human Rights Council of the United Nations. They sit in judgment of Israel. They the, they lead condemnations along with some of the others that you mentioned. Uh, I think uh, we, we don't know the numbers in countries like Afghanistan and elsewhere, but we know that executions are taking place there as well. well, let alone in Gaza, where they executed several people for, quote, collaborators. This is a way of people seeking revenge. They just accuse them of collaboration, and under that, guys, they can kill um, people with whom they have uh, maybe th- 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 political differences, economic differences, whatever. So the, um, there's no surprise in the report about the executions. So what's really horrific is that you don't see any of the "quote human rights" unquote groups standing up, condemning, screaming, and yelling about what the, what Iran, for instance, is doing uh, to to people. Nobody cares. It's unbelievable. And and. Um...
0: And even with the way they put the story, there's no way China's ahead of Iran, right? Even even with whatever's going on in China and the way they describe it, still you would say Iran is number one. I,
1: I would still believe that Iran is the number one executor. And and you know what's amazing is they do it publicly. They hang people from in public places because they want to intimidate the people and they want to send a message. Although the vast majority of them obviously are done secretly, but they do publicly and yet. No condemnation. Very rarely is there anything. Maybe an American official will say something, but where are all the Europeans? Now they're putting pressure on the U.S. to put pressure on Iran because they see the nuclear program you know, advancing and because they're afraid of, what, of Iran. And what's their solution? Negotiate with Iran. It's exactly the wrong answer to, to what you do with Iran. Iran only understands one language, and that's strength. And the people of Iran are disappointed when the West doesn't stand up to this evil regime, Unbelievable. All
0: right, we'll do one more story. We want to get to Rabbi Yudin, of course the highlight of our Yomir Shlame special, the late great Mayor Weingarten with the sounds of 1967. Um, What do you anticipate from the Zelensky trip to Saudi Arabia and his participation in the G7 meeting?
1: So I I think his going to the G7 is is significant because he wants to get um, more modern military equipment and only a personal appeal, I think, will make a difference, especially once the... um, uh, aircraft uh, F-14s, F-16s, um, to to counter the what the Russians are doing. There is the thought of a spring initiative, maybe efforts to retake Crimea, put pressure on the Russians from other sides. Um, you know, I think the world will eventually get tired of this and the the drain on resources. Uh, we just gave them another billion dollars, and I see that you know it's becoming less and less popular doesn't even
0: but it doesn't even make the news
1: anymore <laughs> these billion dollars Yeah, because they slip it through and and uh, you know want to continue to help the other countries are also providing uh, help the pressure always goes on Israel which is helping and giving them defensive equipment but Israel's in a unique position with Russia in Syria and elsewhere in the Russian Jewish community and the pressure points which they have made clear to to the Ukrainians and to the world that position in but when you take the amount of money and the assistance that Israel's provided capita, uh, I'm sure that it's the leader in, in the pack even though the um, absolute monies uh, United States has expended so many billions of dollars there right. in in standing up to uh to the russian attacks uh, but i I think that you know it's the same message dictators respect strength they respect force when when you stand up to them they will more or less, more times than not, back down. And the, um, you know, when, when you see the people in Iran, for instance, standing up, the oil strikers, the workers who went on strike, the, the teachers going on strike. And and, and the. Uh, and by the way, there was a remarkable thing. I told, told a couple of weeks ago, months ago, about the Iranian ships that had come to South America. Right. As we lose all of South America to Iran, to China... You know, they're fighting us not from 8,000 miles away, but from an hour off our coast as they, you know, extend their influence in the country. And everybody was saying, well, what happened to those two warships that went to Rio de Janeiro? Came through the Panama Canal, and we didn't stop it. through the Panama Canal, went to to pay port calls to Iran in Venezuela. And everybody said, well, what happened to them? Now, we saw this week they showed up in Oman, (laughs) meaning that Iran was able to traverse the whole world with these uh, ships. And um, and it was a display of power on their part, and and of uh, I mean ultimate chutzpah to to the U.S. by being able to do it. And yet, you know, I spoke to people this week in Washington about it. All of them are concerned about it. A net military and other people working in South America, but there's no stand up. There's no presence. There's no willingness to to confront them and to limit their expansion and the dangers that they're posing to us from so close to us. Unbelievable.
0: So, as we it's, worry it's, about it's, the future of Jerusalem and Israel, and of course the worldwide Jewish community and all communities of peace, uh, let, let's realize the enemy is basically on our border as much as we think we're isolated in this part of the world.
1: Absolutely. <sighs> Pretty yeah, remarkable. And, and look at the events in Jerba the, that we saw again, the the attack against the uh, Omer gathering there, unfortunately two young Israelites people jewish people were killed um uh, and one israeli cousins and one from france and you see that the um, you know they don't respect any boundaries and that it's a it's a global attack against the jewish people it has nothing to do with israel to attack yeah. the jews in Gerba, who have been there in, uh, for maybe two thousand years the uh it, it's really a, 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 a reminder to all of us. So, so their, true. Their enemy is the Jewish people and the, our existence, our Torah. And as we come to Shavuos, we should be reminded of that.
0: Uh, next week is Shavuos. Two weeks from today, Bezrat Hashem. We'll have our next weekly update. Chag Sameach Malcolm. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a wonderful Shabbos. My pleasure. <laughs> J.M. and the AM.